welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 16th of January 2021. And the title of this episode is Derek Kolstad and the new D&D TV series. After the pandemic and the holiday overlap, Geeky News is beginning to pick up again. There's a mix of 2020 stats and new project announcements to keep us distracted. One of those new announcements is that the John Wick scribe, Derek Kolstad, has been attached to the D&D TV series. Kolstad's role, according to the Hollywood reporter who had the exclusive, is to come up with a pitch for a live-action series based in the Dungeons & Dragons universe. Okay, so let's break that down. That means it is Kolstad's role to develop a concept that quickly sells channels on the idea. Hasbro own E1, so they could look at making the series in-house, or outsourcing it, but they don't own any distribution. They would need Netflix, Amazon, who has already bought the Critical Role series, or perhaps a terrestrial channel in the United States to commit to buying the series. It does not mean that Derek Kolstad is necessarily writing the series. I mean, he could. Kolstad's involvement might be a condition of someone else picking up the series. He's been working on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is is expected to have elements of that John Wick style, or at least a nod or a wink to it, but surely the bulk of that has been done by now. The news of the likelihood of a new D&D TV series was one of the underwhelming stories of 2020. By that, I mean when Geek Native wrote up the news, having read through a boring call from Hasbro to investors and picking up on the -the off-the-cuff comment made from Brian Goldner, the company's CEO, I thought I had the makings of a popular post. In fact, few people reacted to the headline, Does that mean people don't care for a D&D TV series? Or don't believe it's going to happen? Or maybe they worry that the show might be underwhelming? I mean, does Hollywood get D&D well enough to do it justice? After all, The Hollywood Reporter said that the show would be set in the D&D universe. And there's no such thing. There is no default D&D setting. Yes, the 5e books lean towards the Forgotten Realms, and that's what we're assuming for the D&D movie. But a D&D TV show could equally be in Ravenloft, Greyhawk, Blackmoor, or pretty much anywhere else you care to mention. Right, okay, let's stick with RPGs, and even stick with Justice, and let's talk about two bundles that might interest you. The first one is on drive-thru RPG, and it's raising money for the Croatian earthquake. Scores of people died, and significant structural damage was done in the quake, which struck just before New Year. I think, given the timing and all that's going on in the world, the disaster didn't get the coverage it was perhaps due. However, you can help by buying the bundle. It costs $30.00. And that will get you more than $350 worth of RPG goodies. Here are a small sample of just some of the games in it. Sandy Pug Games' silver bestseller Americana. That's a a fantasy set in 1950s small town America. There's Tin Star Games' Relics, a game of angels. There's Stormforge Productions' The Ruined Age core book. There's that great sci-fi RPG Nibiru. 
There's a Domains Horror from Ordolia. That's the company running the bundle. There's Dark Peaks, Deep Maw, The Core Rules. And there's even a copy of Trochia, the Numinous edition, in that bundle. The other bundle is on HEO and is called Solo, but not alone. In this deal, 10 bucks will get you 87 RPGs that you can play by yourself. Money raised goes to the charity Jasper's Game Day, which reminds people that they are not a critical failure. It's good timing. Holidays can be incredibly challenging if you find yourself by yourself, and it is sometimes easy to forget that people need you, miss you, and enjoy your company. It's also easy to convince yourself that that isn't true. What I've been doing since December is making sure that I get out of the flat as often as I can. Sadly, as Scotland is in lockdown, that means I am limited to local and socially distant exercise walks only. When I go out, I pop my headphones on, I start up Audible and I open my Ingress Scanner. That's an old location-based game, which is essentially an endless game of Capture the Flag. It's made by Niantic, who then went on to make Pokemon Go. A police force in the UK isn't too happy about some Pokemon Go players, though. They tweeted to say they had to speak to different men aged over 30 about it. They said hunting Pokemon was a lockdown breach. That tweet has now been deleted. I think the problem with it is that the police really shouldn't have an opinion on what game you're playing on your phone. You can catch Pokemon however old you are. I think the problem is that Pokemon Go players shouldn't gather around a gym, linger and fight there. That's not being socially distant. When it's raining, I mean, I did say Scotland after all, I am less likely to go for a walk. Now... Getting outside is a necessary thing for me to do because sunlight is one of the few things that can generate serotonin, but exercise of any kind can help. And so, with that in mind, I sometimes use my little exercise bike, it's a half-sized contraption with pedals only, while I watch some anime. And this week, Crunchyroll released a series of infographics to show the most popular anime on their platform by region. My Hero Academia is big in the United States, and in the United Kingdom, but it did not come top of the list. Here is the top 10. Black Clover, which is first in 87 different countries and territories. Jujutsu Kaisen, which is top in 71 countries or territories. Boruto, 32 countries and territories. My Hero Academia, 23 countries and territories. Tower of God, 10 countries and territories. The God of High School, 10 countries and territories. Attack on Titan, 6 countries and territories. ReZero, Starting Life in Another World, 1 country. And Onyx Equinox, 1 country. As it turns out, My Hero Academia is the only series on that list that I haven't seen. And I can vouch for the rest. They're all good, and if you follow the anime review series on Geek Native, you can get more of my spoiler-free thoughts on each. Black Clover is top of that list. It's a show that starts with two orphans, both left outside the orphanage at the same time, coming of age and waiting for the arrival of their books of magic. In the Black Clover world, everyone has some magic, even if it's only a trickle, and so everyone gets a spell book. One of those two brothers turns out to be remarkable. Asta has no magic at all. You know, the other brother 
gets a fabled four-leaf decorated clover book of magic and breezes his way into the kingdom's magic knights despite not being of royal blood. Asta, however, ends up with the mysterious five-leaf clover decorated grimoire despite his lack of magic. And that's where the story starts. If you prefer more traditional fantasy, then there's good news from the world of fiction for you. There's a new Dragonlance on the way. The news comes after the Dragonlance authors, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, took Wizards of the Coast, who owned the property, to court. Weiss and Hickman said that Wizards of the Coast were refusing to approve any more drafts of the first book of a new trilogy that had been contractually agreed and they alleged this was because of a racism rouse that the company had become mired in. They settled out of court. A few weeks later, Amazon UK had a holding page for Dragonlance 1, and for a brief while there was some speculation that the new D&D book that Wizards of the Coast was going to announce a few days later would also be a Dragonlance 1. There was some logic to that speculation, at the end of 2020, Wizards did say they were working to bring three classic D&D settings to 5e. Last month, Wizards made an old Dragonlance product, uh, the World of Kryn trail map, a free download on DriveThruRPG. But no. The next D&D book is Candlekeep Mysteries, and it contains 17 adventures. Each of those adventures has an investigative theme. I think that's a good idea. It's not easy to design mysteries in a high fantasy setting. At least one of those adventures contains the first official, and quotes around official, wheelchair accessible dungeon. Wheelchairs in role-playing game settings have become a weird thing that people fight about. I don't get it. No one is coming to take your games away. You can do what you want. If you want to be a good DM, and you can design scenarios that appeal to your players. It's up to you. Furthermore, I personally think wheelchairs would be commonplace in a setting where people can work with magic rather than just their physical strength. I also think dungeons designed to home owlbears, ogres and clanking golems would likely be built broad and wide. Of course, you can just set many adventures outside as well. And if you are looking to run some encounters in a forest, then check out Zach Nicotel's latest 1 million square feet of battle maps. There are a lot of forests, and it's all free to download. Let's finish up with two bits of news from Geek Native. First up, there's a competition to win $50 of Geeky Coffee. That's American dollars, and the voucher is for Geek House Coffee, who sell gamer mugs and coffee blends inspired by character classes. As a result, this competition is open to people in the USA only. Geek House Coffee doesn't have the facilities to ship internationally. Lastly, if you are a Geek Native patron, thank you. There's a free copy of Pew Pew Bounty Hunters in Space due to be emailed to you. If you're not yet a patron, but sign up before Monday the 25th, you will also get a copy. Pew Pew is a one-shot RPG from Fainting Goat Games based on Grant Howitt's Havoc Brigade. It's designed to be quick and fun. All the characters are pre-gened, and there's no time for angst, just lots of space battles and explosions. And let's wrap there. Keep safe, stay out of melee range, and see you next week.